My conversation today is with Soror Mater Spiritus. As well as being an adept initiate of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and the RR at AC, the Golden Dawn's inner order, she has been initiated into several Western operative traditions such as Martinism and the Ostrom Sophiae. While Sora Mater Spiritus has been immersed in the esoteric for well over a decade, perhaps her most alchemical experience has been motherhood, a sorely underserved topic in the community dialogue of Western esotericism, motherhood, and parenting in general in combination with a magical life or discipline was our topic for the evening. I personally found the conversation to be as insightful as it is inspiring and hopeful. I'm Ike Baker, and this is the Arcanum Podcast. You had a good uh, holiday season run, and uh, yes, you as well. New Year, thank you, thank you. It's been pretty crazy. It always is, and of course, yeah. now Mercury is retrograde right. once again. Right. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to take extra care here. <laughs> so, um, I'm glad that you chose this topic. I was worried it was going to be a little too mundane, but I feel like that's it's the only topic that is kind of all consuming in my life right now <laughs> and that I feel like I can speak about with at least if not it, you know definitely not as an expert but you know from my own experience it's just that's that's kind of where I'm at so <laughs> yeah that's understandable so you're very well prepared for this I'm assuming you, you're very well prepared in general well, you know, what's hilarious is that this this is kind of how I journal, like even when I do my esoteric journal is I like my brain just kind of dumps. It's like a huge info dump of whatever's going on. But then once it's out, I was trying, I was going back and studying my own notes. I was like, what the heck did I write? I can't remember. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see if my brain can uh, go back to all of that. But I, I wrote out a whole bunch of stuff in my physical journal first which I didn't type up. And then I ended up just kind of doing another whole type up. Um, that's just kind of how my brain works these days. Yeah. I mean, it's best to keep everything organized. I, I, you know, I don't understand to the extent that you need organization in your life as a parent, right? Cause I'm not there yet, but it's definitely it's been a useful tool. <laughs> oh, it's a boon. It's a boon. It's like, I don't understand how I got through life without it but uh, I I really didn't get through life so. <laughs> well schedules do become a little all-consuming especially in the beginning but even now you know my son is six so you know it's six years in well he's six in about a month and um, yeah schedules really really help and planning ahead really really helps all of the things that you say you're gonna do in life like food prep or you know like get get your stuff ready the night before for the next day you kind of end up having to do a lot of that stuff because otherwise you're just constantly behind you're already constantly behind <laughs> but uh right. you want to at least kind of be treading water yeah I, I remember when I first met you you were pregnant so that was like seven years ago yeah yeah that's, long that's, um, it's, it's a long time ago it's a lifetime ago <laughs> 
absolutely. Uh, you know, we've known each other for a long time, but I'm never really investigated too deep into your um, background in terms of how you got, how did you get on the path to magic, you know? Yeah. So for me, it was one of those random series of coincidences, synchronicities. Um, my husband was a little more into spiritual things just in general mm -hmm. uh, than I was. He studied acupuncture and oriental medicine. Um, and roughly about maybe 12, 13, 14 years ago, he was starting to explore other things as well. So he signed up for a Reiki workshop and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I was just kind of like, hey, that sounds cool. Can I come? <laughs> we were dating <laughs> at the time and we lived together. And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, and that was my first experience with energy work of any level. Like I, I have no background. I I didn't even really grow up with a religion, so to speak. I was baptized Catholic, but we didn't practice in my family. So um, anything that was religious or spiritual or energetic was very, very new to me. And I had such a profound physical experience in that workshop because it was a Reiki level one and level two. And we did it over the course of a couple of days. The first day was amazing. I felt like all of these blockages just open up in my spinal column. And I was like, wow, this stuff is real. Mm -hmm. And the second day was really, really uncomfortable <laughs> because I was opening up all of those blockages <laughs> and a lot of stuff was coming out. But that was kind of my kickstart into the esoteric. I started reading a lot of books that I could find, you know, like in Barnes and Noble, which of course was a lot of Wicca, uh, a lot of Scott Cunningham, mm -hmm. and then through a series of uh, coincidences, I guess you could say, I started looking in the local area for actual classes, and I found some that led to a ceremonial magic class, which was how I ended up getting into western ceremonial magic and the golden dawn path right yeah um and yeah and that's how we met in the golden dawn um mm -hmm. yeah i that's interesting because my i guess we have that in common um I, so the week before or the week after i can't remember they were a week apart my my uh neophyte initiation and my reiki my first my reiki one attunement so um that to me that's it's really important. I, I think, and it's great because, you know, you're a practicing magician and your husband is a practicing uh, acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner. And those really are to me, the, the, the two sides of the one coin that you need to understand everything. So I think, I feel like we, we were pretty lucky in, in having that be the start, you know, it's almost like, well, magic proved itself to me before I was even interested in it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's funny because it was kind of an overnight switch for me in some ways. So I'm assuming my higher self kind of gave me a kick in the pant because prior to that, I didn't have any real interest. I was just, you know, I was going to my job. I'm a professional. So I was, you know, working regular work week, just coming home, watching TV, doing the regular thing. And all of a sudden out of the blue, I was like, mm, time to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's jarring. That's usually how, how it goes, right? Yes. So um, at the moment, you know, your, your interests are broadening into, into different things. I, I think that you had mentioned uh, at one point that 
you were uh exploring more of of the wiccan sort of stuff or or at least um i think it was like the hedgewitch kind of stuff i get is, is that like a an, an herbal component to that sort of yeah so what i've started exploring recently and i i did read a lot of books about wicca and witchcraft but i never really practiced right um i i have an entire library of books i have yet to read <laughs> that i still would like to at some point um for particularly christopher penzak's books i'm very interested in eventually reading all of his series um and josephine mccarthy oh yeah um but what i'm exploring more recently is uh i guess you could call it homecraft house witchery um hearthcraft any of the things that kind of fall under that umbrella so it's really the idea of intentionally cultivating the egregore of your own home um being a little more conscious of the energy of our home not just the house but uh you know the land the house the family the people and making the center of the house an intentional place to contribute our energy together to build something that is healthy for all of us who are living here so that i've just kind of started picking up recently like within the last month or so because my house is a mess <laughs> um, usually from the on a day-to-day -day aspect and it just got to the point where it was getting a little you know like all right we we need to we need to spring clean we need to really kind of be more intentional about our surroundings I mean just like with magic just like with your ritual space or even with your own body as a human you know you you benefit so much from intentionally cultivating gardening, caretaking, and nurturing that space. So um, I did read, there's a book called The House Switch by Aaron Murphy Hiscock, which I highly recommend. Um, it's not really, it's not like the ritual work that we do. It's not really a system. It's not a magical practice. It's more of an intuitive, uh, meditative, and free form practice. So I've I've tried to start incorporating that just to be a little bit more um healthy about our 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 home here and to make sure that everyone is benefiting from it, especially health wise at this time of year. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's you know we've done so much meditation over the years uh to to in an attempt to I I mean I speak for myself obviously but but in an attempt to to cultivate mindfulness it's mm -hmm. uh Right. It, it kind of only makes sense after a while. Why don't I bring this into my practical life? And I'm sure that that lines up in several different places with, you know, what our topic is tonight and, uh, you know, magic and, and parenting, really. You know, let me preface this question with this. I've met a few people who have joined the Golden Dawn and then become pregnant, you know, couples too. And what I notice is that it's at least from my perception, it's it hasn't always seemed as if those two worlds meet each other always. So it's like, well, I do magic, but also pregnant. And and they're kind of these separate events that are happening at the same time, rather than two things that have pretty, I think, important consequences to and with each other. So when did you first have that kind of realization that... Um, uh, I'm carrying somebody else's karma around. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, so I was, you know, I was 
a member of a local temple at the time that I was pregnant. Um, and I still attended meetings, you know, it, you know, I, I was still a working mom as well. So all of that kind of continued at the same time. Looking back now, I definitely don't feel like I had any idea what was coming. <laughs> but um, at the time, yes, I mean, you know, you're, you're physically changing, you know, I can only speak to the experience of, of being a, a pregnant mother, um, as opposed to a parent of, of any gender, but um, you physically change in a way that makes it very apparent that things, things are happening and, and things are not going to remain the same. So I, I do specifically remember being in rituals, still doing my officer role and being a little slower, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, your, your balance changes. And I believe we were doing a, a group middle pillar exercise at one point. Um, and it just felt different, you know, like it, it wasn't as if the baby was kicking at, you know, you know, when we were, when we were doing that or anything specific, but it did feel just very, very, very different from the way it had felt previously. So I think from that point, your your energy starts to change because it is entwined with this new being that you're about to bring forth. And you start to feel the responsibility of it too, you know? I mean, practical work changes in a lot of ways, both before and after, but you you start to realize like, hey, you know, maybe I should give a little bit more thought to what I'm doing and why and when I'm doing it, um, because it's not just me anymore, you know? Like, I hate to say it, but I'll, I'll abuse myself all day, you know, like in the sense of uh, just not taking good care of myself, but um, it's different when it's somebody else. Yeah. You know, and again, I, I've never had that experience. Um, but it, it really, I think it, it, it only dawned on me. It only occurred to me um, after hearing uh, Josephine McCarthy talk a little bit about it. I think she, I may be incorrect on this because uh, this was a podcast I heard her talking um, about this stuff in years ago, but I think she said she took her, her like pregnancy off at least, or maybe a couple of years off. She took like some sort of maternity leave in, uh, in, in magic. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I actually, so I've, I've heard her in a few podcasts talk about the different energetics of, you know, when, when you're pregnant and also when your children are young. Um, because postpartum, it's still kind of like, you're not connected anymore physically, but you are definitely connected energetically. Mm -hmm. And I did find it's kind of the only thing I've ever found in a book talking about <laughs> the experience of having kids and having a magical life. And in her book, Magical Healing, she does have a small section about raising kids that I found extremely valuable. Um, if I can quote from it directly, just a couple lines, just some of the things that I find are absolutely yeah, true. Sure. She says, having children is probably one of the most draining and rewarding experiences a person can have. Uh, the ins and outs of the magical dynamics around children would make a book all of its own. I would love to see that book someday. <laughs> um but suffice to say, if you are a magician and planning to have children, and this particularly applies to the mother, then prepare for your inner resources to be stretched to the extreme. Don't for a minute assume that you will be able to conduct a full magical life with a child around, particularly for the first seven years. 
you will find that your inner energies are almost completely devoted to protecting, nurturing, et cetera, particularly when they hit their teen years. Boy, I thought I was out of the woods. I mean, we're almost getting to six years, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's true. It's it's um, it just becomes a little bit different. It's not impossible, but I find it to be very, very true that my energy is very, very tied in with my son. especially so when they're an infant, right? Because then it's a very physical experience. You are taking care of them physically. You're nourishing them, making sure that they eat, making sure that they sleep. Who knew you had to teach somebody to sleep, but you do. Um, (laughs) and, And that is very physically draining in that first stage. But then even after it's, it, especially once they start, um, getting those parts of their brain online that, have to do with big feelings and big emotions and tantrums and just learning how to live in a physical human body when all that comes with that. Um, it takes a lot of energy to, to be the proper environment for your child, right? Because that's, that's kind of what you're doing as a parent is like we were talking about with, with hearthcraft and homecraft, cultivating their environment, their energetic environment, how to relate to another person and another soul and, how to do that while they're still forming the parts of their brain that say, no, stop, don't do that. <laughs> so right, yeah. um, it, it does take a lot energetically. And sometimes people think it might be about hours in the day and it is, but I have found that as my son has gotten older, I've gotten some of that time back. So it's not impossible from a schedule perspective, but the thing is, once you get to that free time, sometimes you're completely sucked dry and you have nothing left and okay you could go through a ritual but you're not as effective as you used to be and that can be very very frustrating so I will say it's it's different but just like with anything else it becomes a different sort of journey from what maybe what you envisioned it was going to be um but valuable nonetheless and so how have you incorporated these insights into your you know, your practice or your, your daily sort of philosophy, I guess, uh, the magical worldview, what did that look like for you? In terms of daily practice? Yeah. Or just, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure at certain points it was a struggle, you know, how did you deal with it? And, uh, you know, when it was, when it was really good, what was going on, you know, when you, when you were, when you did get those, you know, moments and, and, and things clicked, what, what did that feel like? And, and then on, when it was, when you were feeling sucked dry and, you know, how did you deal with that um, mentally? And uh, were there any, you know, uh, spiritual techniques that you use to cultivate energy or, 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 or get in tune with yourself? I'm sure a lot of emotions were flying. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. First, I guess I should say that I am the type of person before I ever got into this work that was very um, self-critical, but also just wanted to do all the things, right? Like wanted to achieve, wanted to tick things off my to-do list, wanted to like get all the stuff done. And I still am that way, of course, but managing frustration has been very important for me as a skill to learn how to do, especially in in recent years. Um, Now that my son is school age, you know, there's a little bit of of time coming back in the day at the end. But 
it's not it's not always possible to to do all the things that I want to do in the way that I want to do them. So I will say that my ego really, really hates that <laughs> because it wants to do everything perfectly or nothing at all. And I will I constantly have that push and pull of like, oh, you know, like why are you even just you, you can't do it right. Just don't even don't even start. Don't even like let's just go do something else. It's that, you know, that part of you in any type of esoteric work that just wants to squirm away and and just kind of do the easy thing instead of the thing that your self, your higher self is saying, no, this is kind of something we want to do. Self-compassion, I think, is really, really important. And that may sound a little flippant, but it's so true. It's and and these are the things that you learn not only as you're trying to balance, you're trying to get back a, a piece of yourself, right? That you kind of had to submerge for a while while your your child was an infant, while your child was young, when that was really, really kind of all consuming at all hours of the day. Um you're trying to gain back that piece of yourself without going too far too, right? Because you don't want to just be like, okay, go play video games. I'm going to go do my ritual for two hours. <laughs> like that doesn't work either. <laughs> so, right. Um, you don't want to go to either extreme, but you have to just be patient. You have to be okay with not being top of the class anymore. You know, you have to be okay with just going middle of the road, um, doing what you can when you can do it and not judging yourself for that, um, which is very, very easy to do. It's very, very easy to look at what other people are doing, people who, you know, in any situation, whether or not they have kids or, or maybe their kids are grown or maybe they don't have kids or maybe they, have tons of free time for whatever reason. Um, everybody has their own struggles. That's the thing is that you 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 think you see that somebody else is is has it great and doesn't really have these particular issues that you have, but they have their own things that they're working with. Right, right. And I mean, what's really interesting is that everything that you said involves uh, a kind of self abnegation and perspective and humility, and gratitude, and work, right? You have to work at these things that resembles a spiritual alchemy. And I think that the the, the founders, particularly of the Golden Dawn, um, and, and just schools of, of Western esotericism, actual working orders that didn't resort to monasticism, this is what those that's what i would say is that forms of religious or spiritual life which walk away from these types of lessons are um they may not be getting as broad a uh, a deep clean <laughs> you know it's these are in, incredible skills cuz it it sounds to me like uh it has been a process of you learning to really work with your ego and i mean that's what we right when you hit the five six and in, in a golden dawn it's like it's basically like i understand that my life is not about me anymore you know and and a lot of people a lot of people just they run away from that or they're very dismissive of that and they they get caught up in all the painting and wand waving but at the end of the day like that's the Tifereth clause of the Tifereth grade. I promise to live a pure and unselfish life. 
So that's an, that's what I see you doing, you know, just very peripherally because I, you know, I'm, I'm not up there anymore and we don't see each other very often, but. It's, I think that regardless of how much ritual I am able or not able to do, this entire experience for me of parenthood has been about learning the skills that will serve me well in in magic from here on out as well because i mean you talk about ego oh for sure your kids especially once they hit a certain age are experts at provoking every unconscious reaction buried within your psyche you learn so much about your own relationship with things like control power what do you do when you're in a position of power over another being and you really want or need them to do something and they say no <laughs> you know what everybody has to kind of work that out for themselves but you know i take a a i guess approach to parenting that's a little more on that kind of gentle white pillar side um it's it's not exactly what people make it out to be you know it's not completely like let kids do whatever they want you know there are boundaries um especially around safety but i was a little bit shocked to discover when we hit specifically toilet training <laughs> um that i really had some anger issues that i needed to figure out because i had some very specific reactions to you know, like we have to do this. There's no way around not doing this, but you're not doing it. <laughs> what are we going to do? You know, so um, it really was just like we say with alchemy, with the process of like, okay, you're going to, you're going through this tunnel. The only way out is through. And it's, it might be a parallel process to what we do in ritual magic, but it's there. And it's, I have never experienced it so immediately just mm -hmm. because, I mean, this is kind of like a little version of you running around. It's like you <laughs> saying to yourself, what are you going to do? You know, like, yeah. what do you do about it? So. So, it, so it sounds almost like um, some of the perspectives, some of the I guess formulas or philosophies that you studied in magic beforehand might have helped you up to that point, right? In in being able to to be cognizant in the moment, or at least fairly close to the moment, <laughs> um, of of you know how you were reacting. I mean, it sounds like you stayed in pretty close touch with with what what was going on at the time i mean do you think that 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 some of the magic or spiritual work you had done sort of prepared you in a way or absolutely absolutely i mean what we do in the golden down dawn when you go through the outer is really getting to know yourself in in the various elemental aspects of yourself um but ultimately the goal of kind of reconstituting that and understanding it from a different perspective, uh, you could say higher perspective, I would say a more central or innermost perspective, so that the whirling storm around you of all of your emotions and all of your reactions is not necessarily what's going to dictate the next thing that you say or the next thing that you do. Um, so it absolutely helped me in that sense. I. I'm a little afraid of the parent I would have been had I not been on an esoteric path and at least started that work prior to becoming a parent. 
um, and maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit for that, but you know, it's, <laughs> I, I really do um, credit that of the work I had done up into that point as to at least giving me the ability to step back and see what was happening and not just automatically reacting to the emotions I was having, to the subconscious things that were being brought up. Because when when your child has is put in a situation that reflects something, at least this is what I think, that what you went through as a child and, and say, like, let's say that my son was kind of like, no, I'm not doing whatever it is. I think subconsciously, if I had been put in that situation as a child, however my parent reacted, that's what's brought out of me in that moment. It's right. like, oh, okay, when when I experienced defiance or, or however you want to label it or behavior from my child, this is what should happen. This is the reaction that should happen. And that is definitely not always the case. <laughs> so um, I absolutely credit esoteric work as a wonderful way to start working through some of these issues before you're in charge of and responsible for another another's development because you know they have their own path to walk in life but in these early years i really do feel like it's the opportunity to lay a supportive groundwork for at least not having to go straight to therapy when they're adults. You know? right. <laughs> like we're, try, we're trying to make it a, a a good start for the rest of their lives. And I couldn't think of anything more important to be doing with my life ultimately. So, yeah. And I don't know, I guess, again, right. We can only speak from our own perspectives, but you don't really tend to see a lot of people who have kids either in the golden owner orders like that or or just in it for a very long very long time you know it's uh maybe they'll join and uh, don't get through the outer order i mean that's been my experience i agree i i feel that you know i have known a few people who have either gone through pregnancy and had their kid while they were in the order some that have not rejoined or kind of you know at a place where they're just kind of hanging out um, treading water, as I like to say, but, uh, you know, you also just really, even the women that I've encountered in the golden dawn, either they tend to be where their kids are older and they're kind of past that stage. Mm -hmm. And maybe they had kids early, which I did not, I waited. <laughs> so, um, or they just for either they're young or they just have chosen not to have kids, which is fine. Um, I do see a good proportion of dads, um, but not necessarily that they are the primary caregiver in their family. But again, right. this is just who I've encountered. So it doesn't, <laughs> that's right. not saying that there's no one in the order that, that has young kids. Um, but I do think that those things tend to split your focus. I mean, how can it not? You know, it's yeah. um, when we were talking about the energetic component of raising young children, it kind of just is what it is. So I like to think of it as, a long game, you know, like I'm, I'm in it and I've gotten this far and I've had more than ample opportunity to kind of walk away, but I keep being drawn back. I, I just, I don't have a desire to not do this work. Now, whether that's because I, it's not 
specifically because I've taken oaths, you know, I, I don't think of it consciously. It's more just kind of a subconscious decision that it, I've made <laughs> right. um, that this is a part of my life and this is a part of who I am. So I think as long as that is true for someone, they will tend to either come back to it or stick it out. Um, we have this metaphor in just like parents that I've talked to about, especially when your kids are young, you feel like you're treading water. And at the same time, you're probably being waterboarded because it's just so overwhelming, right? There's just lots just, of water, lots of water. <laughs> <laughs> but now I, I feel like I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm treading water and it's, you know, every now and then somebody gets sick and it's a little bit of a crisis, but it is possible to have both. I, I don't think you have to choose, but you do have to be okay with how much energy you're going to devote to the different areas of your life in whatever particular phase you're in and accepting that. And again, not judging yourself for it because right. it's a lifetime journey, right? We're doing this for the rest of our lives. So think of it as a long, a long game. <laughs> One day they'll move out. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I think is interesting is actually you kind of, you were in a particular grade for quite a while before your, uh, you know, you got pregnant before your son was born. And then after that, you pretty quickly, you know, the, the wheels started turning again. So, I mean, do you, how do you think those things kind of interacted with each other, the timing? Kind of ironic, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> It's it's also funny because the grade I got stuck in is kind of emblematic of pregnancy. So I was pregnant for many, many years before I was ever really pregnant. Sure. Um, but yes, so I kind of lost steam in terms of when I say stuck, what I mean is not necessarily not advancing, but having ritual work or spiritual work of any real caliber, not no longer being a part of daily life, right? So I did stuff and I attended meetings and I kind of did, did maybe like weekly stuff. And I eventually kind of lost a lot of the momentum that I had built up in previous years. But where I lost track, I realized it was because I had been going based on factors outside of myself, right? So you would call it extrinsic motivation, like, ooh, let's pass the next test and let's get the next sash and let's do the next thing because it will make my teacher super happy and I'll feel really good about myself or whatever it may be. It's taken me a long time to realize that those were the reasons that I kind of lost him because at a certain point in anyone's path, the only reason to continue has to be from inside of you, uh, whether that's from your higher self, from, from any part of yourself. It can't be because of the people around you or because of some reward that you think you're going to get, even if it's some kind of vague idea about spiritual reward, you know, like you have to keep going because you are drawn to, um, drawn to do so. So where I kind of lost steam before pregnancy was, was with that. Now, of course, I got still a little bit slowed down after the physical, <laughs> having a child and all of the things that come with that right. in the beginning. But 
it also, in a sense, kind of restarted that engine of what am I doing and why? Finding that big why, like what is the why of that keeps you going and, and where is it really coming from? Is it coming from outside of you? Is this something you think you should be doing? Do you feel like, well, I've already gotten this far, I gotta keep going, you know, like, are you doing it just to do it? I started finding that clarity about what was important to me intrinsically, first as a parent. Um, I started realizing as my son was growing things about what I believed were important to me in teaching him. And I guess you could say my my style of, of parenting and the choices that I made about what I thought was important, especially when it comes to the environment that I think it's important to cultivate for him and also just how I want to be in terms of support, in terms of emotional regulation, <laughs> in terms of all of the things that you have to choose to respond instead of react, right? I will say also that as a parent, you know, it's it's very easy to feel like no matter what you do, it's there's somebody's going to judge you for it and say that it's the wrong thing to do. <laughs> and that that comes in any area. Stay off yeah. the internet. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't go into Facebook groups looking for advice. Um because it you you know, you're you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, no matter what the area is. So um, you start to find your own footing and your own ideas and really values that you hold as a parent as to what you think is important and what you think you should be doing and why, right? And that really has to come from inside you. And it may sound kind of trite to say like, well, you know, follow your intuition, but... <laughs> But you, you really do have to learn that sense of authority as a parent. I think that's what being an authority as a parent is. It's not about controlling the behavior of your child so much as it is knowing how you're responding and why, right? And that might look different for different people. Um, but as I was starting to figure that out in the past few years, I would even say, I started to gain clarity about why am I doing esoteric work? Why why am I continuing this? Am I doing it just to do it? Am I like just kind of like, well, I took an oath, you know? <laughs> so. Well, yeah, because you can, I mean, you know, you join the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So it's like it's like going to like a musical conservatory, you know, it's like the most rigorous training you can get. So there is that. I'm I mean, I'm assuming there's that point that uh I guess maybe everybody gets to at a certain point where they're like, you know, maybe I could still do esoteric work, but I could do it in something that's not as like gung ho university level. <laughs> you know, that thought has occurred to me as well too. So all of these things I have for sure gone through, um, and I can feel that that is my ego saying, no, 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 don't do it. this is too much. This is too hard. Don't do it this way. Let's go do some Wicca. Let's and not to say that the, you know I'm I'm not comparing traditions with that, but I just mean that I am very aware that the path I'm currently on is quite rigorous. Um, and does demand a lot of daily ritual and daily work. And it's not, it's not something you can pick up and put down. You know, it's, if you want to be effective at it, it's meant to be a continuous process, right? So knowing that, 
I still choose it. And I think that that has to be an individual choice for everybody. But I know from the experiences I have had how much I have changed and how valuable that change has been for me. Um, I would like to say that I'm doing it for a greater purpose and I probably am on a higher level, but I also know that I cannot be the best parent that I can be unless I submit myself to the alchemical process. I, I cannot continue to grow in the same way if I were to choose to walk away. Um, I, I do think that what I have chosen to do with the hearthcraft is a little bit of a kind of like, okay, let's, all right, lower self, let's, let's kind of throw you a bone a little bit and have something a little more intuitive and a little more free form, let's just say that we're going to also incorporate into what we're doing. Because I will say that as I've encountered resistance, you know, in getting stuck in whatever grade that is, I've learned that sometimes you can have a conscious part of you that is like, yes, let's do this. And an unconscious part of you that is not on board for whatever reason. Um, I think it takes a lot of contemplation and meditation to figure out what that reason is. For me, it had a lot of things to do with fear. It had a lot of things to do with, I don't wanna change anything because now I have something to lose that is very important to me. And I don't think those are fears you can just kind of be like, yeah, no, that's silly. You know, you, you kind of have to work through that. Um, right. But also, if there's a part of you that is not on board for whatever reason, instead of just muscling it through, you kind of need to find a relationship with that and find a reason for, for all of those parts of you to, to be on board. So when I experience resistance in whatever level, even when it's just kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this today. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm so tired. Um, the thing that gets you through it is remembering your bigger reason, telling that part of yourself, I hear you, I understand, it's okay we're still going to go do this, <laughs> you know, like not, <laughs> not writing it off, just saying like, okay, I, I, I get it. I hear you. And, and you'll, you'll hear a parallel between that. And that's kind of also the way I parent, you know, like it, it's exactly. a relationship within yourself that is also a relationship you are learning to have through your relationship with your child. So it's, yeah. And I mean, that that's the whole thing, right? I mean, a big part of some types of esoteric paths is inner child work, you know, and it's, it's really interesting. I've, I've had, um, you know, some pretty crazy experiences with inner child work. And uh, I think of something occasionally that my sister has said, since she's had a baby almost two years ago, she said, uh, in, in some ways, having a child, you get to relive your own childhood. You know, yeah. and and so it's like, wow, can you imagine how much healing <laughs> if you if you do this as well as you can, right? Because nothing's perfect. I know that. But if you do this as well as you can, I, I'm sure that there's some kind of magical healing, internal healing that can happen for you. Absolutely. And I, I think frequently about the whole Rosicrucian to heal and that for free. And a large part of that is internal, right? You are looking to form a relationship between the different parts of your soul, between the different parts of you that 
needs to include unconditional love from the higher to the lower, right? And that is part of the environment that I try to cultivate here in my home for my child is unconditional love, you know? And of course you feel it, but it's it's harder to do than, than just saying it because, you know, we're human. We, I have tantrums, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're still working through that as adults and we expect it out of our kids, but, um, right. you know, that, that freely given love, I really believe is the path to being better human beings, really, because if you can truly offer that to anyone, you know, your child, yourself. I, th I think you have to learn to offer it to yourself before you can offer it to anyone else. I, I think that's the only way that we get to a, a, a better next level as a species, because just think of the gratitude and just humility that that induces to be told that no matter what you do, no matter how bad of a mistake you make, you are absolutely loved. I mean, that is just invaluable. Yeah, it's beautiful. So how how do you balance it? How, how does it all get balanced? Does it get balanced? Eh. <laughs> balance is an interesting word, right? Because it's dynamic. It's not it's not something you achieve and then it's done. I think you have to you have to fight for it a little bit, you know, you, you, you have to work at it, but you also have to cut yourself some slack. You know, you're a human being, you're having a human experience and there's only so much energy that you have to get things done. So what I find is that balance is kind of over time, you know, like, yes, I have a goal of doing certain things every day, and some days those things do not get done and maybe some important school things get done, you know, or there's birthday parties and all of these other mundane things that you're, you're trying to take care of for, for your child as well, but, or your family, you know, or your job or anything, you know, this could apply to anything in any area of life. So you get back up and you try again. Um, I try to take a problem solving approach to it. I try to take the emotions out of it because I am very easily thrown into frustration and self-judgment. <laughs> and again, that ego rising up being like, oh, you know, we didn't do it right again. All right, forget it. Let's do something else. Um, so to get rid of that aspect of it, I try to take a problem solving approach and say, okay, we tried this maybe let's try it again. And if it doesn't work the second time, then let's figure out something else. You know, um, I have done things like I live maybe about 10 minutes from where I work. I drive home from my lunch break and I don't really eat lunch and I do some ritual work, you know, it, it, you just try to fit it in where you can and you look for opportunities. One thing that parenthood is very, very good at training you for is taking advantage of spaces of time when you have them, especially when they're unexpected. So that's part of it. I really try not to wait until the end of the day, because if I wait until the end of the day, I have learned I am exhausted and my body needs sleep. You know, 
like I said, my son is almost six and I don't want to scare anyone out there that doesn't yet, yet have young kids, but sleeping through the night does not happen when they are infants. <laughs> so um, my son only started completely sleeping through the night when he was about five. There's always something. <laughs> there's, wow. yeah. there's teething, there's nightmares, there's as soon as they can get out of a toddler bed, he was he was in my room. Um, so there's that. And even now, now we're starting to go through a I'm scared of the dark phase. So, you know, you have to kind of roll with it. You have to learn to be okay with things going backwards a couple steps, and then you're still gonna try to go forward again. One of the myths that I frequently think of is the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, only because it's like, you know, you're so close, you're almost there, you just, you think you're done with it, and then, mm, not so much. <laughs> so it is a continuous exercise in patience, um, and in long-term planning, in problem-solving, in compassion for yourself and for your kid and, and not taking out your frustration because you're ready to have a piece of your life back, but it's not quite there yet. You know, I have a feeling I'm probably going to be going through that for as long as, as he's a child, you know, into the teenage years. And I'm okay with that now. Like you have to get to that place of accepting like, okay, maybe it's not going to be the way that I envisioned, but I'm not giving up. So, so, um, what kind of advice would you have to somebody that uh, maybe is is either planning on having a child or might be pregnant right now and pursuing an esoteric or spiritual path? And uh, what words of wisdom or or examples maybe would you have for for them on on how to incorporate both? I would say don't don't hold back. Don't hesitate. Um, I will say I might be a little biased because I have my in my astrological chart, I have my sun and my moon, both in the fifth house <laughs> and I'm a cancer rising. So, you know, this was probably going to be part of my life path <laughs> yeah. all along, but. Um, That's great. <laughs> That's cool. It's, it's an initiation in and of itself, right? So no matter where you are on your particular esoteric path, whether you're just getting started, whether you've been in it for years, I don't believe, I truly don't believe that you're giving anything up by deciding to become a parent. If, if anything, it's only going to deepen the lessons that you're already going through in a lot of ways. It's similar to an esoteric path. It's going to speed certain things up uh, and you're going to confront things either way. So I almost see them as kind of like two strands going, going side by side. And like I said, maybe it's not going to be the way that you envisioned, and maybe it's not going to look the same as somebody else's path in, in your temple, in your group. And that's okay. Um, it really will be unique to you and to your family. And there will come more time, <laughs> especially after those initial years. Um, when it will start to feel more possible and you'll have learned so much just from being a parent as well that you can take and apply to both areas of your life right i mean prepping and planning and being able to schedule things and i mean there are so many skills <laughs> that you're just kind of forced to gain also how to operate on very little sleep of course but <laughs> um 
self-discipline is so essential to what we do. And it's not, it's not just a matter of forcefully willing everything in your life the moment that you want to have it, right? Self-will is also about, I think, a long game. It's about what am I going to do when things feel impossible? Am, am I going to stick with what my higher self has chosen for me? And am I going to continue forward despite the fact that I can't do it the way I see other people do it or that I can't do it as fast as I want to do it or, or any of those things. There, there's, there's no shoulds that are helpful. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, you have to accept where you're at, what you can do, be honest about it. Don't just think like, oh, well, you know, I can't do anything. So I'll just kind of sit around, you know, be honest with yourself about it because you, you can do things. Maybe you can't meditate deeply. Maybe you're so scatterbrained from this crazy day that you sit down to meditate. And this has happened to me many times and you're just ruminating about your to-do list, you know, and, but, but that practice, that's what meditation is all about. And we're kind of describing a similar dynamic in following your path itself, right? Just letting all of that go, observe it, and still come back to your center and and go from there. Um, it is possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, life is the great initiator. <laughs> and we are all neophytes. Absolutely. How do you experience magic? I would say that I experience magic in the effects that I see after I have done the work. So if you were to ask me that on a completely energetic level, I am not an especially sensitive practitioner. Now, again, I'm also not going at the pace that I wish I was, right? If I were doing more ritual and more meditation on a, on a regular daily basis for, for a longer period of time, I would hope that those faculties would, would get more in tune. Um, but even when I was <laughs> at a, at a more regular pace that, that I was more satisfied with, I've never been a particularly intuitive feeler of energy, but I compare it to the difference between feeling a wind blowing against your skin and, and having that sensation versus looking in the distance and seeing that the trees are blowing. It's like, I can see that it's happening. I can, I can see the effects in my life. Even today, I, I did work earlier today because we're off school. So that's an easier day to get stuff done um, in terms of ritual work. But even just doing my simple daily work, I could see things moving later in the day and I could see um, the effects of just the, the thoughts and contemplations that would kind of pop in. You know, it's just, it's kind of hard to describe because you see it in retrospect, but you just, you kind of look back and you see that the person you are now is not the person that you were then. And, you know, maybe that happens in life, but I really feel like what we do catalyzes it. 
um, and brings it to the forefront. I don't think that it's a race, but I do want to spend my time in this life wisely. <laughs> um, and if I'm going to have to go through these things anyway, like, all right, let's get it done. So um, I guess that's kind of how I, I experience magic. It's, it's a seeing the changes that have happened over time and really learning to appreciate them and be thankful that I live in a society where I even have the time and opportunity and resources to pursue something like this. Right, right. And so lastly, do you have three books, uh, artists, movies, uh, albums, whatever it is, any kind of media um, that you'd recommend uh, to anybody listening to this uh, having to do with our topic or, or, you know, a little more broad than just magic and parenting. Sure. So I have all the books. I love books. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I don't really listen to that much music nowadays, but um, sure. I mean, in terms of parenting, so since we've been talking a lot about parenting, um, the authors that I would really recommend for anyone that is looking to kind of have a little bit of a paradigm shift in terms of not just looking to control behavior, but learn how to be a good resource for your child and, and have that combination of both authority and compassion. Um, I really recommend anything by Ross Green. If, if you've ever heard of him, he does a, a particular type of, of, behavior management, I guess you could say, but it's, it's called collaborative solutions. You're actually, you're working with, as your child gets older and is old enough for this cognitively, you're, you're working with your child to use conflicts or, or um, situations as opportunities for problem solving so that you can actually teach them how to solve problems um, and not just tell them what to do (laughs) and tell, you know, so he has a book called Raising Human Beings that I really, really recommend. Um, also, anything by Alfie Cohn. He's great. He did the the book um, Punished by Rewards. So he uh, he kind of is more about having intrinsic motivation for your kids and trying not to kill that along the way. <laughs> you know, like trying not to just kind of like extrinsically be like, here, have a sticker. Um, not that that's necessarily bad, but um taking a little bit of a, of a more balanced approach. So just thoughtful parenting books, in in my opinion. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I am very interested in a lot of the books by Rudolf Steiner. So he uh, found, he, he wrote a lot of esoteric uh, writings, but he also was the founder of a whole school system called the Waldorf school system. Um, and he, there's all of these books put out by the Waldorf people or publishers about child development that I think is just fascinating. He had this whole kind of idea of ages and stages and how we develop as people that I think is fascinating to learn, not just because I'm a parent, but because I think as we kind of go through the work and are are forming this relationship between our lower selves and our higher selves, we are, like you said, kind of going back down to our inner child and figuring out, okay, what is stuck there based on when we were developing as children. And, and I think learning more about those ages and stages really 
um, helps in having a, a bigger picture and understanding of it. I, I don't know if his system is kind of like the system, but you know, there's also Maria Montessori has has a whole idea of childhood development too. So, so I definitely recommend them. And just my random reading recently is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. I, I love reading about brain science, neuroscience, just how we think and how our brains work and understanding why you have some of the automatic reactions that you do on a physical level, I think helps to be like, okay, I understand what's going on now. We can take a pause. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I thank you very much for, for covering this particular topic because I think it's, it's sorely underserved in the esoteric community. Um, I've only ever heard, I want to say like maybe one or two conversations about this from esoteric practitioners. So. It's funny because it's like, yeah, you know, I don't, I, I hope that this topic is, is useful to other people and encouraging in the sense of like, you know, don't feel like you have to choose, but also don't feel like it has to look a certain way. Don't feel like your path has to look a certain way. And, and also, you know, as we were talking about it, you don't see a lot of people who have young kids usually in the order that doesn't mean that you can't be one you know <laughs> it's it's not like a self-selecting thing you know you it right. is possible so i i hope that that other people feel that that's encouraging and and um go through their own experiences as well you know like i'm coming from a very particular you know in my life and my experiences and and like i said kind of coming from a an extrinsically motivated um personality um, I think that probably looks very different from someone who maybe before parenthood was coming from the opposite end. Maybe they were, um, maybe they were really strong in their will and they were, you know, kind of laying it down the law with all the people around them. I think that's going to, the challenges of that are going to look very different because we're all trying to balance out those aspects of ourselves as we go. So, Yeah. Well, thanks for talking with me. And um, I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there. I can think of a few right off the top of my head who are really going to enjoy this and benefit from it. So thanks for coming on. Sora, uh, Mater Spiritus, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'll see you soon. <laughs>